peace. (laughs) We all want it for ourselves and for our families, but it can be such a struggle. Today's guest, Jennifer Smarsh, has wonderful insights on some of the dragons we need to slay. So stick around for eight ways to win the battle for peace in your homeschool. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and Jennifer Smarsh is back today to give us eight ways to win the battle for peace in your homeschool. Jennifer Smarsh has been married to Dave for 31 years and has five daughters. Three of her adult children are married, and there are two grandchildren with two more on the way, praise God. She has been homeschooling since 1998 with some experience with public, Catholic, and online charter schooling as well, and she is currently homeschooling her youngest, who is 12. Jennifer has served in various leadership roles within homeschool groups and communities over the years, and for three years was a consultant for Mother of Divine Grace School, which is based in Ojai, California. Jennifer is passionate about helping other homeschoolers, especially those just starting out, and we know you're out there and we love you. Uh, You can reach Jennifer Smarsh at her email, which is in the show notes. That's byhisgracejs at gmail.com. We also have her Facebook link, which is jen.smarsh, S-M-A-R-S-H. All right, Jen, it's so good to see you again. It's so good to see you, Lisa. Thank you for having me back. It's always a gift to be with you. That's exactly how I feel too, Jen. I just love to see you. I find that, you know, you give such thought and care to others and it really shows, um, you you know, you've been battling the so-called dragons for a long time. Now, give us the whole title because you give a talk for homeschoolers and I think the the super cool title is worth saying out loud. Would you mind just, what is the the name, the whole name of this presentation? (laughs) The long version. Yeah. (laughs) The long version is Finding Peace in Homeschooling by Slaying the Dragons, Those Thieves Which Steal Our Peace, or in short, Finding Peace in Homeschooling. Yes, yes, those thieves that steal our peace. And they're all around us, right? We know this. It's a spiritual landscape that we're in, but we are so mightily armed in the Lord. And knowing that and recognizing what these little skirmishes look like helps us to really, you know, we know the landscape. We we know we're that we're going to be okay, even though it's a fight. But that is a fantastic title. And I really think that this is a great start. Just to just to call, you know, name them and kind of look at what you do. So let's go through them, Jen. Why don't you guide the process? Start us off. Would you please just like tell us what the eight, you know, dragons are? Sure. The, what those sure. battlefields kind of are, how we can identify them, and then just go ahead and we'll talk about them. Okay, sounds good. So the first one is comparison. Uh, the second is, am I doing enough? Then we have not recognizing the root struggles, and that could be anything from learning issues to readiness issues. Um, opinions of family and friends is number four. Being too busy is number five. Six is the lack of time to prepare and plan. Uh, seven is lack of breaks. And eight is the big question, do I have what it takes? So those are those in a nutshell. And um, yeah. I always like to give a little disclaimer that 
when I share these things, I, I don't want to give the false impression that we have arrived at some perfect place of peace in our homeschooling, you know, and in our family. Uh, we are not moving through our day swimmingly with the children sitting there doing their work so perfectly and, you know, obedient and everything's just wonderful, you know. Um, <laughs> just like in our faith walk, you know, we, we aren't going to fully arrive to perfection until we're in heaven, right? It's no different in homeschooling. So 25 years in, I'm still seeking peace. You know, still, you know, many things have come along and we've struggled through and battled through. And I really do feel peace in those places. But it's you never get to the end of that journey, you know, at least not while we're still homeschooling our children. Right. Right. So um, and the first thing is, is the most important is that Jesus is the source. God is our source. And we have to stay close to him. We have to lean on him and count on his grace. And he's the source of all of it. And we're doing this for him, right? We're raising the children for his kingdom. And it's a battlefield, just like, you know, the family is under attack, as we've discussed. And and so we are in that battlefield in our homeschooling journey as well, because while we're raising these children for his kingdom, you know, the enemy doesn't like that. And so there will be all kinds of things thrown at us, those flaming arrows, right? And uh, so it's just important to remember that constant prayer and pray without ceasing and cling to Him and seek His grace. Um, But anyhow, to understand how to combat them, we need to call out what those things are. So as I said, number one is comparison. And comparison is like a cancer. You know, it's it's been called the one of the five emotional uh, cancers, right? It'll eat us up. It saps our energy. It completely discourages and defeats us. And I think that women in particular are really prone to uh, the struggle with comparison and uh, social media nowadays makes that even worse, you know? So, but even just in our circle with other homeschool friends, it's really hard to not compare what we're doing to what our friends are doing. And, um, you know, we compare to our friends, we compare to what the schools are doing and so on and so forth. And it's just um, something we need to take the time to know who we are in him and be confident in that so that we won't waste the time comparing ourselves to others. And as I think you would probably agree, that's a an ongoing battle, I think, for women in general. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, it, and may I just say, too, I learned some when I was an actress a million years ago, I had a teacher that said compare equals despair. Because Absolutely. there's always this tension in comparisons, whether you're trying to push someone down lower than you, or you're elevating them and pushing yourself down. It's not a natural place to be. It's a place of great tension and exhaustion. That is absolutely true. I completely agree with that. And then we waste so much time trying to do things just to be like somebody else. And then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, right? So that's really true. It is, it, it is like complete despair, right? When mm-hmm. we do that. Yeah. And that's our enemy's so, greatest tool. He loves despair. So we, we want to just always be people of hope that no matter how absolutely. discombobulated, awkward, you know, we don't think we have the right talents. God gave us the talents and he wants us to find out what they are and live in them. Be obedient to his absolutely. design and find out what absolutely. our unique family is meant to look like day to day. Absolutely. Yeah. I and, agree. hundred percent. hundred percent. So the next one is, am I doing enough? And this falls under the same category of comparison, but it's usually, excuse me, it's what I have found is it's comparing to the schools. 
homeschoolers tend to compare what their students are doing, what their children are doing to what the schools are doing. And so we're filled with these intrusive thoughts sometimes of, goodness, in school, they're reading by age six fluently. And by seven, they know their multiplication tables. And, you know, so then we just feel despair again, because we don't think that we can do it. We don't believe that we're enough for our own children, by the way. Uh, (laughs) And so we find ourselves panicking with those intrusive thoughts. And uh, brick and mortars are different. We we pulled our children out of school or chose not to put them in school because we wanted something different. So then why are we going to use that as a a way to measure how our children are doing and measure their successes based on what the schools are doing when we didn't even want that in the first place. We've, you know, I kind of look at that as a box that the children were in and it's not a one size fits all in brick and mortar and that's why we moved our children out usually or again have decided before we even put them in to not put them in that box. So we shouldn't use that as a tool, a measuring tool. Um, We're not teaching our children to be computers, to just spit out information. And, you know, my experience with the public schools was that, um, you know, when my older daughters, my oldest two were in public school for a while, and they would come home and they would tell me, you know, they were really anxious about these standardized tests and all year long, they're preparing for these standardized tests and everything is teaching to the test. And I remember they came home and said to me, you know, we have to do well because our teacher's job depends on it. And that was a huge red flag to me. And I'm thinking you're not in school to learn so that your teacher can get a good grade, you know? So that was a red flag. But at that time, we still kept them in school. We didn't have the support that, or we just didn't feel called, I guess, completely to to pull them out. Um, so we did the best that we could with that. But then later on, when I had my third daughter at home doing the charter school, that was an online school. So she was at home with me, but it was a public charter school. So she was receiving a public education. And so I was able to witness it for myself. Every single class that she was in, the teachers were saying things like, on the test, it will look like this. When you are taking your test, it will be such and such. And so that didn't feel right to me because I felt like she wasn't learning anything just for the sake of learning. And the education of our children was not for their sake and for their benefit. It was for the benefit of the schools and the teachers to get a good grade. And I walked in one day and she was on a class and I looked and I see next to her a piece of paper and a pencil and she has drawn an entire page worth of sad and angry faces. I could cry thinking about it. And I said, enough is enough. We're finished. So that was when we made the switch to traditional homeschooling. And we haven't turned back since. Um, But that was not for her benefit, what they were teaching her. She was not learning. You know, she was just stressed out. And, you know, so. Yeah. Can I just comment on that? That I thank you so much for validating your daughter because uh, a factory education system like that, some kids thrive in it. Let's just acknowledge that. Some people mm-hmm. even put their kids, you know, some kids in school and the others are homeschooled. It's all good. Mm-hmm. You and your family figure that out for yourselves. But for some kids, they are telling us. And if we don't validate what, you know, we don't have to validate their every whim. But when something is that important, 
and we validate them, then they know to trust their own instincts about what's a danger to them. They understand that those bad feelings they're getting, that this something's wrong, that mom and dad take it seriously. Um, we can't always, like you may have a working single mom or somebody who doesn't have a choice. God bless you. It's a hard road. But, but I just want to validate you as a mom for seeing that and knowing what it was for really responding to it and saying, you know what, this is not for the good of my child. I'm going to do something different. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I just, it just became very clear and all those things that my older two had dealt with and this just kind of just became a really clear picture that the education that they were receiving, at least in the schools we had them in, it wasn't for their benefit. And, you know, children inherently want to learn. You know, you watch a toddler and what are they doing? They're just exploring their world. Children want to learn. They're like sponges, you know? So, um, they really do want to learn. And if we have them at home, they have that freedom to do that. But anyhow, so the question of, you know, am I doing enough? Um, you know, you're doing far more at home, I would venture to say, than what they would be receiving in, in many of the schools. I know there are good schools out there, so I don't want to, you know, completely dismiss the value of a good school um, and teachers that are really doing a good job to make sure children are educated. But for those who have struggled in school and pulled their children out because they're not happy with their schools, I just want to encourage that you're doing plenty. You're doing enough, you know, and there are different seasons too. Uh, there are different seasons when a baby is born, when, you know, there's a death in the family or a move. We need to be able to give ourselves the grace to be gentle enough with ourselves to just kind of coast for a while and realize that that's okay. You know, um, it's just sometimes we just need to breathe a little bit. And, and, you know, when my father had died, I, you know, two months of just telling my children, let's just do math and reading today just the bare minimum. Well, we lived in an area where I had to put a portfolio together at the end of the year. I had to see an evaluator and turn that into the state. And I was nervous at the end of the year to put that portfolio together. I thought, well, I spent two months on the couch grieving the loss of my father. I don't think we've done enough. And I will tell you, we did far more than I even could have imagined that we we had done. So, you know, sometimes it's good to just pause and look at what you have done. Even if you don't have to turn in a portfolio, kind of just look at what you've done in a year, you know, and just look back and realize you're doing a lot. And education is, you know, happening all the time anyway, as we've discussed in the past. Education is always happening in our lives. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was talking to Ma I was talking to Maureen Whitman the other day and she tells moms, just write down everything your children read. Like, right. and she said, you're exactly. not going to even believe how long that list is because oh. high school kids might be told like, that every month they have to read a book during their senior year or something and they're all up in arms because it's too much. But our kids are reading a book a week. Some of them are reading more than that. Oh. Um, and so it true. really adds it up. That's a lot of education. That's a lot of great training. It is. It is. And whether they're doing the reading themselves or you're doing it with them or they're listening to an audiobook. And it still counts as reading, you know? And so they're learning, they're absorb absorbing so much. Beautiful. Oh. Yeah. So the next one is not recognizing the root struggles, number three. Um, and I, <laughs> the question for this one is, do you feel like you have to put your battle gear on every day? Do you feel like you dread the day and you just want to cry? You wake up and you think, I just, I just don't think I can do this anymore. And, you know, there may be uh, the three key things I, I, you know, first think of our, you know, is it a readiness issue? Is your child ready 
for what you're teaching them. They just might not be, and that's okay. And that's the beauty of homeschooling. We can pause. We can coast for a while. I always encourage moms to move laterally in school if they're not ready to move ahead and, you know, just dig deeper and let them learn more about what they've already learned and coast for a while and then move them along at their pace. And that's such a gift in homeschooling. Equally, you know, if you have an overachiever, you can just keep them moving, you know, so it's a, it's a gift either way. But, um, anyhow, back to, you know, if there's a possible issue with readiness, that's a fairly easy fix. You just breathe, pause, spend some more time with them. Um, sometimes there might be a learning issue and you need some outside help with that. And, you know, we've experienced that from, you know, a child who was struggling to read to another child who needed vision therapy. And that was a, the vision therapy was a whole family ordeal. We, we changed our eating style. We changed, you know, we took her to therapy once a week and did exercises at home, uh, five days a week. And that went on for about four months, the therapy. And, um, so, you know, sometimes you need some help like that. And I will say that the success in that, when you find that thing, even if it's a child who just can't read well, and then they finally get it or with us, with the vision therapy, you know, you, you come to a place where you find what I call a sweet spot or an oasis after years of turmoil or months of turmoil, however long it may be before you figure out what that learning issue is, you then have this oasis and you both just enjoy school together. You enjoy that time and it's beautiful memories are made at that point. Once you overcome those obstacles and find out what those issues are, it's such a beautiful place and that is true success in my opinion, you know, not what do they know? What can they spit out on a test? You know, you, you just get to a place where you just grow and build memories and just enjoy the time together. And I just always call those moments, our oasis moments or our sweet spot, you know, and we've had some of our favorite times together. Like we've actually enjoyed homeschooling and, you know, so, um, so yeah, a readiness issue, possibly a learning issue, but also sometimes you just don't have the right curriculum. And I recommend Kathy Duffy's book, uh, 100 Top, I believe now it's 103 Top Picks for Curriculum. And in this book, she has a survey and it's really helpful to fill that survey out because you narrow down the type of educator you are, what your preference is for the style of education and what type of learner your student is. And so, you know, you could really change your whole schooling perspective if you can zone in on that. You know, I had one, Kathy, she labels the children as, or not, I shouldn't say label, but she has Wiggly Wanda, Competent Carl, Perfect Paula, and Sociable Sue. (laughs) <laughs> and so I have a couple of kids who fall into that. And actually, they're really straddling sociable Sue and Wiggly Wanda. And so, you know, the poor child who's the Wiggly Wanda, I'm doing all this book work with her. Well, we had such freedom when I realized she doesn't do textbooks. She's not perfect Paula or competent Carl. She is needing hands-on activities. And, you know, when we started that, I mean, our life changed. So zoning in on the style of learning as well as your style of teaching is really key to finding some peace. You know, things things just go better when you, when you can do that. And I feel like that communicates so much to our children because when you're in your own teaching style that feels really good for you and you're energized and you're confident because it suits you, you're communicating something very different from, I'm not good enough. I have to do it someone else's way. And what are your kids learning from that? 
you know, I mean, they're going to pick up on our normal insecurities anyway. There's nothing, like you said, this isn't heaven. It ain't going to be perfect. But if we give our, we stack the deck in our favor by kind of honoring God's design. How am I made to operate as a home home educator? Um, And how are my children meant to receive and process information? So good. Thank you so much for that, Jen. It's It's a great distinction. It's so helpful. And the mom has a lot to do with it. You are the educator. So if there's something you just dread or hate, your child's not going to be enthusiastic about it if you aren't. They're going to pick up on it. And so you need to kind of find what works for you almost as much, if not more, than what's working for your your child. There needs to be some balance in that because if you're enthusiastic, they will want to learn more and they'll get excited about it too. So yeah, and that's one of the reasons that I'm just going to do a quick little spontaneous commercial. It's one of the reasons that Homeschool Connections has been so successful, because we're not going to love everything. And then we're not going to love all the things our kids love. And sometimes we have to outsource, whether it's at the co-op or a mom who exchanges like peer, like you tutor my kid in math, I'll tutor your kid in history or whatever that might be, because we have things that we love to teach and we can kind of broaden, you know, we can do, kind of shower our bounty on others, essentially. Sorry. but. But yeah, so good. Yes, recognizing what's not in your wheelhouse, that's okay. We can make it work. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So when you have the freedom to find out how your child learns and how you work as a teacher, you know, peace will come at that point too. Mm, so so good. All right. So moving on to number four, the opinion of family and friends. And this is a real thief of peace because you know, we're barraged with opinions. It could be anyone from someone who works at the grocery store who's questioning why you homeschool your children, making you feel weird, neighbors, uh, family members, and even your spouse. Our, my husband and I, for a long time, we really, you know, he's the one, interestingly, who brought up homeschooling to me. But then when we were doing it, it he just was very nervous. Husbands, fathers get very nervous about what if we don't check all those boxes? How will they graduate? What do other people think? You know, they might be getting pressure from people at work and putting those thoughts in their minds. They might not be confident. And so, you know, he supported me 100% in the homeschooling. However, when there would be an issue, the first response, and I've heard this with many of the people that I've consulted with, is the father says, should we put them back in school? And obviously, I mean, honestly, the, the issue of a learning issue or something School isn't going to be the answer. They're going to get lost in the mix there. And so the best place for them is at home where you can find reliable help, you know, to get you on the right path. And, but fathers really do get concerned. And obviously they have a say in their children's education. So it's a matter of coming together and uh, praying and finding that path together and um, finding the support for the dad too. I Dave came with me to um, an IHM conference, the homeschool conference, which sadly I think has stopped since COVID. And I've heard that hopefully they're going to bring it back around, but the Immaculate Heart of Mary Catholic Conference, and there are other conferences out there, but he came with me to that conference and heard some priests speak of the importance of homeschooling. And the first one he came to with me, he left, we left there and he said, I'm on board hundred percent. We're never putting them back in school. Wow. So they need support as well. You know, the husbands need support as well. And, mm. and um, okay. so, you know, the naysayers can be anyone from a stranger to your husband. And so 
it's a matter of finding, you know, the outside, we have to just kind of shut that out and not allow that to get in because we know we're doing something that God's called us to. But when it comes to your husband, you, you definitely need to find that path forward together. And when you do, there will be peace there as well. Yeah. And there's no end of like choices that we make at parents that other people are going to comment on. And, and we're not going to do it just like them. It's just, it's not the way God made us, whether you're choosing to breastfeed or not, or breastfeed past a certain age or not, or have a family bed because the baby's colicky and needs extra attention and everyone gets more sleep that way. I remember we had a colicky baby and I remember my sister saying, get that baby out of your bed. She's like, she was freaking out at me. And this is a sister I love dearly and I'm very close, but she, sometimes the choices we make because someone else has a different lens, a different life experience, different fears, you know, it can really, they can start getting triggered at us. And we Uh just kind of have to like hold our ground and pray it through and and just remember why we do these things that we, right. And just keep loving those people because they're going to have their fears and they're not going to realize how much it hurts when they share them. That's very true. It's very true. Lots of opinions coming at us all over, right? (laughs) Like you said, how many children we have? How many, you know, staying home with our children? Yeah, why Um, are you working? Yeah. You know, we have five daughters. People are like, aren't you going to have some boys? I mean, you you always get an opinion. You know, you always receive opinions that are unsolicited. And Didn't they have boys at Costco this week? <laughs> like, you know, hello. I, I know it's true. People do want to know. control. Why you don't have a designer family. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we have to learn to shut those opinions out and listen to the one that matters, right? Yeah. We want to have compassion for people because they, you know, we just don't know what they're suffering internally. Right. Exactly. And and over time we win them over, they'll see the fruits, but it ain't going to be quick. This is very true. I have experienced that myself with people years later saying, you know, I just didn't know about that homeschooling, but now I really see it. You know, when our daughter graduated and she graduated with honors and received a scholarship to a good university, they were like, wow, I didn't believe in that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, but we oh. couldn't wait around for their approval. Exactly. It, it may exactly. or may not come, but we can't wait for it. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Thank you, Jen. That's such a good one. You know, everybody, we're going to take a really quick sponsor break to hear from our wonderful folks at Homeschool Connections. We're here with Jennifer Smarsh. We're talking about eight ways to win the battle for peace in your homeschool. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Walter Crawford. And I'm Maureen Whitman. We are the co-founders of homeschoolconnections.com and proud sponsors of the Homeschooling Saints podcast. Which is here to help you homeschool more joyfully more easily, and more effectively. We want to thank you for listening. And we invite you to check out our courses at homeschoolconnections.com. And now back to our program. All right, we're back with Jennifer Smarsh. We're talking about eight ways to win the battle for peace in your homeschool. And we've talked about one through four. Would you just name the first four that you already covered, Jen? And then number five. Sure. We've talked about comparison. Am I doing enough? not recognizing the root struggles and the opinions of family and friends. Great. Wonderful. These are so good. I'm just resonating with everything. Okay. So take us into number five. All right. Number five is being too busy. (laughs) So this is a, (laughs) this is a situation that I have seen over and over. Uh, I experienced it myself. New homeschoolers tend to 
because everybody's got that, you know, are you socializing the kids question. So we tend to want to take on everything. We have to socialize the kids. We have to be busy. We don't want our kids isolated. You know, people think we're living in a bubble. We are not living in a bubble, by the way, but (laughs) we are, you know, as new homeschoolers, we tend to make all these efforts to socialize them, not live in a bubble, not keep them at home alone. And so we tend to spread ourselves really thin and being so busy that we actually don't get the schoolwork done that we're supposed to get done. (laughs) And so that is, you know, why we don't want to be a box checker for every little thing. We still do need to get some work done, right? We are homeschooling them to do school, right? So while I've even said education is happening all over, you know, you do have to kind of answer to the school district and usually show them that some uh, education has taken place. We have to have (laughs) proof of that. So we need to make sure that we have time to actually do the work. So, you know, again, it's a trap that everybody falls into and we have to scale back. We also, in the comparison thing, right? We Are we doing enough because our friends, you know, I'm I'm 53, I'm in a different season in life. Um, I watch my friends who have all these young kids, you know, nine, 10 kids and they're running circles around me. They are busy as can be. I see a few things on the calendar in a week and I'm like, I need white space. You know, it's too much, too much running. I can't do it. But we have to look at, first of all, why are we busying ourselves? Are we doing it for the right reasons? Because we do need community. If community is important, we absolutely need community. Children need friends. It's not good to isolate them. However, are we doing it for that purpose of enriching their education and, you know, giving them avenues for friendship and to grow socially? Uh, or are we doing it because you know, this is a really hard question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we busying ourselves that much because it's what our friends are doing? It's because we think that other people feel that we should be busying ourselves more. And that is going to get us nowhere fast. That is just a really um, a significant concern and will rob you of your peace really fast because then you're just burned out. You're frazzled. You don't feel like you can even do the schoolwork. You're exhausted, but you feel like you need to keep going and putting on this air or this show of like, I'm doing the things, you know? And I just want moms to know we don't have to do all the things. You don't have to do all the things, you know, finding balance again. It's all, it always tends to go back to finding balance, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we don't need to do too much. We need to do some things. We don't want to be isolated. We want to be social. We need community. But when we're running around, you know, exhausting ourselves. And then we're no good for, you know, our husband and our children because we're trying to keep up with everybody else. You know, we won't have any peace doing that. Mm -hmm. So again, this can be a season of life thing. You know, we're going to be busier in some seasons. And, you know, as I said, at my age now, I'm, I have far less energy than I had 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, I was complaining that I didn't have the energy I had 10 years previous, you know, so (laughs) just different seasons of life. And, you know, when there's a baby, we need to lay low for a while. And, you know, I've already said all of that, but the bottom line is we need to figure out what works for our family, what works for you as the mom. Some moms are very introverted. It's really painful for them to go be really busy, but they need to find some balance in that because children They may have children who aren't introverted and they need to go and have some time with other kids, but we need to be okay with who we are. And again, this goes back to connecting to our source, right? Who will let us know who we are. 
and to accept who we are and accept that it's okay to be as busy as you need to be or to scale back if that's not you. And even if your friends are running circles around you, that's okay because that might work for them. Some families thrive in busy, other families thrive in quiet. And so it's a matter of finding where that is for you and just accepting that and embracing it and being okay with that. You know, that's be okay with who God made you to be. Yeah. And if I may, we live in a very highly distracted uh, culture that needs to be constantly diverted and entertained. And our kids need to be okay with some silence, with some quiet, with some time to be bored even because innovation and creativity and brand new things come out of empty spaces like that because of our that space is filled up with the presence of god and we need to trust Mm -hmm. that too that i love what you said though too we don't want to burn ourselves out and then we got nothing left right we had neighbors in almost every neighborhood we've lived in the kids in the neighborhood who went to school, they would get off the bus and they were running activity to activity and they'd want to play with my daughters. And there were children in every community that asked me, can you homeschool me? Because they didn't want the busy and they didn't, they wanted time to play. They didn't want to be running from activity to activity. And again, that's not across the board. Some people thrive in that, but there are some who just really don't want to be that busy and we're barraged too as moms you know the phone is dinging and you know people are texting and calling and so there's busyness on that level as well and it's okay to set that aside and say you know unless it's an emergency i am unable to communicate with you via text right now or have a phone call right now i'll get to it later but right now school is is a priority and so that's another form of busyness that i don't think we even are aware of at times, you know? Yeah, there's an authenticity to everything that you're talking about, Jen. And thank you for that. I, I really love that, you know, getting to know ourselves and who are, we are in Christ is really at the root of all this. And not to get caught up, not to be, as St. Paul says, mm-hmm. tossed about by every wave of change or every new idea. Um, everything that's right for somebody else isn't necessarily right for us. And that's exactly, good... exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that comparison, doesn't it? Sure does. It all works for one does not work for another. (laughs) Yeah. So what's what's the next one? Okay. So the next one is lack of time to prepare and plan. So some moms find that the open and go curriculum is what they need. They open it up, they do what it says to do, and they move on. And that works just fine. Uh, For my children, we have had some issues where we discovered, as I mentioned earlier, we need hands-on activities. So I needed to spend a lot of time preparing and planning. And, you know, we found these great history things online, the history pockets and, you know, different things that, you know, it takes time to print those activities and get them cut out for her and, you know, doing things like that. And, and, uh, she needed lots of different, you know, picture books. And so it would take time to create those book lists and really find those resources that would work. Where are some day trips we could take for, you know, little field trips to connect with what we're learning about? What are some educational movies we can watch? That takes time. And so, and it also takes time to grade. Oh my goodness. We need to allow time for those things. You know, teachers in school get teacher planning days. So we need to allow those times for ourselves as well. Uh, falling behind in grading. Oh my goodness. My poor girls. If I fell behind in grading, 
you know, weeks later, I'm showing them things they've gotten wrong and they're way beyond that concept. So now we're in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. So those things are important and they're valuable. We need to take time for those things. And so if your husband cannot uh, help you with that time or a family member or friend can't, you know, I, I assume that most people will be able to to get some help with the kids so that you can have a little bit of time now and then. I'm thinking, I don't know, you have to find out what works for you, but maybe once a month, um, every six weeks, even every two months, just having a check-in now and then to just prepare and plan. And, um, you know, if you can't find the outside help, some things that have worked for me or having the children do an independent day, if they're old enough, give them their work, set them aside. And I'm right here, you know, I'm right here if you need me, but I really need to focus on doing some planning and prepping and printing and grading work. And that works for older children. If you have young ones, that's going to be more challenging, but maybe some educational movies can be on. So you can call it a school day. If you're afraid to veer off of having a school day, you know, some educational games that they can play together. Older ones can read to younger ones and teach them school. That's a really fun thing. The older kids want an opportunity to have a break from their education and teach the younger ones. So you can have a day where an older child will help the younger ones and, you know, just get some, get some of that done, but work that in, you know, it, it's important to have time because if we're prepared, we feel more peaceful. If we feel frazzled, we don't feel peace, right? Right. So, okay. That's so good. Time for planning. Set it aside. That's Be right. What's next? The, the next thing we need to allow time for is breaks. There's value in a day off. And I think that the calendar lends itself nicely to this. You know, in October, we have Columbus Day. Make it a three-day weekend. Have a day off. You know, Thanksgiving is in November, Christmas. Then, you know, the other holidays that are the, typically the public schools have off, right? Martin Luther King or President's Day. Take those days as well and just have something to look forward to. I think that we do better when we know we have a break in sight. If there's no break in sight, we're just surviving until Christmas break. And then we're surviving to Easter. And then we're surviving until summer. We shouldn't be surviving. You know, we shouldn't be just surviving. We need to allow time to do those things that will recharge the batteries and, you know, spend time with the kids in a fun way too. And so a day off can be cozy up if it's winter and and play games or watch a movie or go do an adventurous thing, you know, do whatever that is that's going to recharge your battery. So there's value in a day off and there's nothing wrong with taking one. We have the whole year to do, you know, the schooling. So we really can take a day now and then and, and renew ourselves. Yeah. So good. God rested. <laughs> we need to yeah, rest. Too. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And then the last one is the question of, do I have what it takes? And the short answer is, of course you do. The catechism reminds us that we're our first, our children's first educators, right? We as the parents are our children's first educators. The catechism tells us so. God chose you for your parent, your children. He chose you to be the parents of your children. He doesn't make mistakes. And I will also say this, no one on this earth knows your child as well as you know your child. You might need the outside help for tutoring or for, you know, like the vision therapy or, you know, something to that effect. But in the day-to-day, -day, no one knows your child better than you. So no one can teach your child better than you. And so that should just answer the question of, do you have what it takes? We have what it takes because God's given us what we need to do that. And so we can rest assured that he's given us that. He's brought us to this journey. He'll see it through. He'll see us through with it. Amen. So. Amen. This is a great adventure. And if anyone's a fan of The Hobbit, 
adventures are uncomfortable. Um, but right. boy, we yeah. find out who we are, we find out who God is in those adventures. Right. Jen Smarsh, thank you so much. This has been incredibly rich. And I really hope that it ignites a lot of conversations between homeschooling parents and grandparents and their friends. Um, everybody, you can find Jennifer Smarsh. You can reach out to her by email. Put podcast in the subject line so she knows what, what it's about and, and email her at byhisgracejs at gmail.com. And you can also find her on Facebook. Facebook, J-E-N dot Smarsh, M-S, sorry, S-M-A-R-S-H. And uh, Jennifer, thank you so much. And thanks everyone for listening. It's been just such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for making the time today, Jennifer. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're praying for you. Please pray for us too. God bless you. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.